Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. So good morning, church, and here we are, week six in this series of discipleship. And we're looking today at embracing grief and loss as part of the journey in becoming more like Christ. I know we have been very challenged by the topics we've looked at so far, but I do I do encourage you to continue to reflect on what God is saying to you and how he wants to develop you into emotional and spiritual maturity. Now, I know wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you're listening from today, I imagine we have all walked some sort of journey of loss and grief. I know my story. Some of you know my stories. I know some of your stories. And especially in this season, in the current season we're going through, Grief and loss is something that might be close to a lot of us. So as we go through um, today in this, uh, in, this, in this topic, I know you may be reminded of some things. It may be stirring up something in you, maybe some very sad times in your life. So I really do pray peace over you. I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring gentle revelation. And I do want to encourage you that God sees and he cares he is a God of compassion. He wants to grow us and, and have us bear fruit, even in our sorrow, to allow him to use even our most ex painful experiences to bring glory to his name. Sadly, grief is part of being human. We live in a fallen world where loss and grief are commonplace and, dare I say, guaranteed but there is a truth I want you to take away from everything we talk about today, and this will be a spoiler. But the truth comes from John chapter 10, verse 10, and I'll read from the Passion Translation. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its own fullness until you overflow. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, on the cross, set us free. He came to set us free to engage life fully and not to escape from its reality. When we talk about grieving and loss, we'll probably think of the ones that are more readily considered as devastating losses. Sadly, things like death, divorce, infertility, abuse, illness. But we do also need to consider what some might think of as less tragic and maybe apparently insignificant losses. Maybe it's the betrayal of somebody we, we trusted. Maybe it's a shattered dream or a dream unfulfilled. Maybe it's just general life changes, life moving on that leaves us disappointed. Maybe it's church moves. We need to pay attention to all of them. As a church, we go through change as a body and of course, over the last few months, we have gone through quite a lot of change. Some pastors have moved on, including a senior pastor. Our friends may have moved on, and we are now on the hunt for a new one as well. And these are all not insignificant losses for us corporately as a body, but also as individuals. So in our own individual and personal journey, we will all be at different stages of a grieving process. But I do encourage you to take the time before God to grieve and embrace these losses as necessary and prayerfully. In the book that we're studying in our, in our study groups, 
the Emotionally Healthy Church, as it talks about these different types of losses, it says, loss is loss. It is equally important to grieve all of them. Stuffed down and denied, they gather in our souls like heavy stones that weigh us down. Unattended to over time, they prevent us from entering into walking freely and honestly with God and others. So as we model our lives on Christ, we can take a look at how Jesus himself grieved. He was moved by the sadness here on earth. And also, in fact, when we look through the Bible, we see several, quite a lot of examples of grieving. I want us to pay attention to two key themes as we look at the Bible. And these are that, the first is there is a time for mourning. Of course, that verse in Ecclesiastes that tells us that there is a time for everything, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And the second is that we, we will see transformation through the morning. In the book of Psalms, which we know were mostly written by David, and David is described as a man after God's own heart, yet a large number of these Psalms are laments, a man after God's own heart readily spoke about sorrow and loss. He readily sang about it. And the Psalms really show us a vivid illustration of the realities of life and reminds us that much of life, even for us believers, is not one long experience of uninterrupted peace and joy. We must, we must acknowledge this and express our grief to God and pour our heart out to him because denial of this pain will weigh us down. What we also see from the Psalms, from these laments, is that actually as believers, we have to be countercultural. Um, society today especially teaches us to present this facade that it's, it's all good, to push for the pursuit of happiness, happiness at all costs and virtual reality, a, re a reality that actually isn't real. And we see all these things like on social media. I mean, these, th that can be a good thing in the right context, but when it distorts the reality of the life that Christ gave us, that Christ gave us, it robs us of its, of its fullness, and we see the consequences of that around us every day. Even more sad is when the church tries to follow this, so we need to be very careful. I'm not preaching about this, but I do want to add a little side note to be aware of what is behind these times of conflict and sorrow, as we are warned in Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare. So we'll see even in the Psalms that uh, for David himself, for some of, in some of these times of anguish, of despair, it was due to his own sin or the sin of others or the conflict that was going on with the children of Israel. So we need to be aware of that. In the book of Ruth, we see the story of Ruth and Naomi. And that's in Ruth 1. Naomi is really a grieving woman. She has lost her husband. She has lost her two sons. She is in a land that is not her own. In Ruth 1, 20, 21, it says, Do not call me Naomi, and Naomi means pleasant, she told them. Call me Mara, Mara which is bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? 
The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi was clearly not afraid to feel her grief. She was in pain. She felt abandoned by God and she expressed it. I think God can handle it when we question him sometimes, but he does want us to trust his goodness. In the book of John, we have the story of Jesus and Lazarus' death. Jesus came to Bethany after Lazarus had died and found Mary and Martha in mourning. In verse 33, it says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. I came across this, somebody said, this John eleven thirty-five, where it says Jesus wept, is one of the most freeing verses in the Bible. And actually, I had never thought about it, but how true that is. Jesus modeled for us how to respond to grief in essence, giving us permission to weep in our sorrow. He himself was moved by the sorrow that he saw here on earth. So be encouraged because we are not alone in our sorrow. Hebrews 4, 14, 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So there are plenty of biblical principles about grieving. If we look through the Bible, we see very clear, very outward signs of grief like the tearing of robes and wearing dust and ashes, shaving hair, wearing sackcloth. I mean, in in current times, this would be very, very extreme. But what we see is there was no holding back. Grief was embraced and not suppressed. The word of God is encouraging us not to miss the season. And practically, it means we need to pay attention of the times that we're living in the seasons we're going through in our lives, the losses that we're passing through, whether it's now or in the past. We've had some very powerful teaching a few weeks ago about breaking the strongholds of our past that could be affecting us to this day. We need to stop and allow ourselves to grieve. Where there's forgiveness that is required, let us forgive. All of this is part of this journey of emotional and spiritual maturity. And it it goes hand in hand with walking closely with God and being in tune with the Holy Spirit. We can be tempted to rebel because it feels like God has deserted us. But God is inviting us to grieve and grow through our sorrows. Each one of us will probably react differently to different situations of loss that we find ourselves in. But we must not deny the pain. It is not biblical. We need to deal with it honestly and prayerfully. And throughout the word of God, we are seeing examples. We're seeing where God is really drawing us to this and drawing us to him. We see in John 14, 16, where he promises us this Holy Spirit, our advocate, a comforter. We can find solace in the Holy Spirit. 
In Matthew chapter 11, we have hope in Christ. He is strong enough to bear our burdens. He said, come to me, who you are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. We can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. This is our God. So when we try to gloss over our loss, we ignore not only the reality of a broken world and broken lives, but the gospel truth that it is in times of loss, sadness, grief, and even struggle that God works powerfully for our sanctification. Church, this is the transforming power of God. God has a higher purpose for his people, and he is faithful to use our most painful times to mature us, to draw us into closer dependence on him. The transforming power of God is such that joy overtakes sorrow. We see in the book of Psalms, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. The transforming power of God is such that Naomi was brought back to her land and was blessed. She is a woman whose children had died and who had never, whose children never had children. But through the blessing of Ruth, she was a grandmother. She held that child in her lap. Ruth married Boaz, mother, became the mother of Obed, who was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, and we know the rest of that story. The transforming power of God is such that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead for the glory of his father. These were his own words. And many people put their faith in him. The transforming power of God is such that Job, who had gone through a long road of suffering, of loss, and questioning God, came to know the Lord as his creator, designer, revealer, savior, mediator, comforter, strengthener, and restorer. And there I'm quoting Ravi Zacharias from his book, um, Why Suffering? The transforming power of God is such that we can, we can, by the grace of God, still say, it is well with my soul. And this is not because we do not feel the pain, but because we can set our eyes on God and trust that he is in control. In our sorrow, we can look to God and find peace in him, fixing our eyes and our hope in him and drawing closer to him. I don't have the time, but some of you may know the story of the author behind this hymn, Horatio Spafford. You can go and look for it, but this is an example of a hymn, a hymn written uh, behind a story of sorrow, yet it is well with my soul. And finally, the transforming power of God is such that having learned to absorb and grow, we can bear fruit of God-like compassion towards others to love as Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. I have received some of the most comforting words in my own losses from people who have walked a similar road that I have. So God uses everything in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Isaiah 53 calls him a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, acquainted with grief. Who more fitting can we turn to in our own times of grief? 
I came across this, I don't know who said it, I can't remember, but it says, how can we bypass sorrow and grief and still expect to develop emotional and spiritual maturity? So as I said before, I know talking about grief and loss will probably be very tough for some of you. So I just want to finish by leaving you with this verse, the ultimate comfort from Revelations chapter 21 verse 4, which says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So I pray that God will minister to you and bless you through this.